the Till Death Do Us Watch podcast, where a married couple talks about TV. My name is May, and with me is my husband, John. Hey. Oh, hey. Oh, how's, oh hey, buddy. How's it going? I'm going to do it okay. Yeah. Uh, I just found out they put my bay in a barrel. Oh, God. <laughs> and there, there are a lot of barrel bays. You know, what a crazy small world, because my bay. Your bay was in a barrel? Well, actually, my bay's head was chopped off. Oh. Oh. I know. Well, we should... <laughs> we should, like, talk more about it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, guys. We're a married couple. We like to watch TV. And right now, we are re-watching Dexter in preparation for season nine this fall. And we just watched Dexter episode two of season five. Hello, Bandit. Hello, Bandit. Maybe maybe that's what the girl's name was in the barrel. Oh, no! He opens it up at the end. He's like... Hello, bandit. <laughs> it's like, fancy meeting you here. There's that <laughs> rascally little bandit. <laughs> well, do you want to just jump on in? Oh, please. Let's do it. Let's dive on into this barrel. Okay. Well, we kick off this barrel with <laughs> Dexter in a barrel of his own. It's a barrel of emotion because he's in a pool <laughs> and he's doing some intense adult day swimming, you know, yeah. as we do. Oh, yes. I'm an adult, stroke. I'm an adult, stroke. <laughs> and he is processing his grieving process, particularly the part where he murdered that hick in that bathroom in Cabin in the Woods. Yeah, whoopsie. I found it very interesting that Dex is talking about how he's going to take care of the kids and, like, all the kids. We know where this episode ends. Yes, we do. But it, I think it shows, it feels very Dexter to have this short-sighted view over the kids' futures. Sure. And we see many examples throughout this episode of how he is not good for this. It's not a good fit. Oh, my God. Absolutely. Well, I mean, we kind of even saw that in the last season when he did have to, like, actually, like, be dad. He was giving Aster little scientist yeah. boxes, and yeah. that was not what she wanted. <laughs> yeah, put those little scientists in a barrel. Okay? <laughs> but, That's it, yeah. Yeah, it really shows how blasé he gets when he's like, yeah, I'll just raise the kids. And you're like, oh, you'll just raise the kids. Yeah. Like, come you'll, on. You'll just be a single dad of three. Yeah. Anyone can do that. And it's the same thing where in season one, he would have that look after he said something stupid in front of Rita. Yeah. And he's kind of like, oh, well, what was that about? You know? <laughs> and it's like kind of him this whole episode, but very sad. Very sad. And unfortunately, we don't have an a Rita that is there to be do that, everything to do everything and be that voice of reason for him and like actually explain it to him. It's like, okay, well, no, this isn't cool because of yeah. this and that. Instead, he just gets Aster yelling right in his face. Well, that gets us to the kids moving into Deb's uh, not so secret Dexter apartment. <laughs> and again, Deb is really sister of the year. I'm not saying she should get a humanitarian award, but maybe if there was some sort of sibling based award, like yeah. a siblingly, yeah, yeah, yeah. She should at least be nominated. Okay. <laughs> also, question. Yeah. I'm sure they bent the rules, but yeah. isn't there a no kids rule at this apartment? <gasps> you're right. There is. There yeah. is. So that makes in the last episode when the cat lady agreed to do this, like way cooler for her. Seriously. Because it's like, oh, I do they allow that here? Right? Didn't know that there was <laughs> that there were any kids here, let alone a baby. Yeah, I think they kind of just throw that rule out. Yep, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, Aster is understandably in a sour mood. When oh, Deb welcomes Aster home, she responds, This isn't my home. And Dex tells the kids about school tomorrow. And uh, weirdly, the kids are not happy about that. Yeah. And Aster points out that they don't have any of their stuff. Yeah. And again... These are those moments underlining Dexter's lack of understanding. And he realizes more and more throughout this episode, like you said, taking care of the kids was one thing when Rita did 94% of it. Yeah. 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 He yeah. just has no idea. He didn't even know how to handle Aster when Rita was around. Yeah. Every time he <laughs> didn't know what to do with Aster, he just pushed her in the pool. Yeah, right? <laughs> and he's like, what's your problem, man? It's just water. I mean, I started this episode in, in a pool. That's right. So That's right. <laughs> Dex offers to stop by the murder house to pick things up. Oh. And Aster tries to come. But Dex vetoes on account of the bathroom murder where it got its name. 
Uh, yep, there, there it is. We've, we figured that out. The next day, we open with Dex finally doing his FBI big boy interview with Scully and Mulder. <laughs> and I love the FBI asking all real questions because we let Dexter get away with a lot. Dex has been able to skate by under the radar with most people. He only gets weird looks from like Deb and LaGuerta. Yes. Like, LaGuerta will be like, what's with the minivan? Are you married? And he's yeah. like, nope, I don't even have kids. And they're kind of like, all right, let it go. And yeah, then, she's like, okay, that's weird. That's just weird Dexter. And then half the time with Deb, where she's just like, where the fuck are you right now? You're right. But So he usually just gets weird looks from people. Mm. And I love that we get, when Mulder asks the question, like, do you do a lot of night boating, you fucking weirdo? Now, he didn't say that last part, but you could see he was thinking it. A thousand percent. Because you can say night boating and Deb's like, okay, I'm going to bed. That's weird. But yeah. then, like, telling an FBI agent, where were you when your wife was murdered? And right. he's like, night boating. And he's like, what the fuck? Who night boats? What are you talking about? You have work in the morning. Yeah, right. Like, it's... It's a, it's not a it's a weird thing to do. Yeah, in the middle of the night too. Like in sure, the like middle it, of the night, uh-huh. I go night boating too. I'll toss those bags of bodies in the middle of the night. night. Okay, now we are fucking sued. <laughs> I can see him outside. He's like, "Where's my money?" Okay. <laughs> the FBI confirms Dex's nighttime boat adventure with the marina security cameras, but. Did no one question the pallet of garbage bags that he had with him? Yeah. I could like think of how many garbage bags it would take to wrap up John Lithgow. So many. You would need a whole mountain. <laughs> a whole mountain of hefty, hefty, hefty. <laughs> I mean, yes, of course, the, the, the poet inside me would love it if it was just four large bags because of quaternity. I get oh. that. <laughs> However, it would be like nine giant bags. And you would think that the FBI who are investigating Dexter, maybe for the murder of his wife, have no questions about the serious amount of garbage bags that he brings onto his boat hours after his wife died. Right? Just saying. Like, even when we get that confirmation of, you know, he was at Arthur Mitchell's house during the time of the murder. Mm -hmm. Like, for the FBI, you'd think they would be like, hey, that guy. Well, what is that? Yeah. I'm the FBI. I'm not just looking for one crime. Like, right? Like, <laughs> there's a second crime going on. I'm not just going to ignore it. The fucking uh, Miami, Miami Metro surveillance team saw LaGuerta and Batista making out at a liquor store. Yeah. And they were like, look at this. Yeah, right. Like, Put that wait. guy on this. Yeah. That guy would be bringing Matthews. Guy, dude, you're not going to believe what I've been seeing. Right? Every two weeks, this guy has like four garbage bags that he, you know. And then he comes back with no bags. No Where do bags. the bags go? What's in the bag? Yeah, it's the opposite, too. You arrive with bags of fish. You don't yeah. take land fish to the sea. <laughs> Keep your land fish on the land. He's trying to set the fish free. <laughs> well, is that your phone? I'm sorry. That was my phone. Dex has a weird freak out here. When they're asking him the did you kill your wife realm of questioning. Yeah. Dex like freaks out and then cools down so quickly. Right? I thought it was a dream. Like the like more like the Miguel yeah. and less like the Arthur. <laughs> yeah. But he's like, is this what the fuck you think it's about? Why do you think I would do that? Yeah. And you're like, did did I was that a dream thing? But yeah, it was a weird little freak out he had. And then FBI agent Scully cuts Dex off with the line, we know you were at Arthur Mitchell's house, which was really good for the trailer. And I liked it because I remember this Comic-Con trailer. Like, it was really good. Oh, hell yeah. And every time I rewatch this, I know I've seen this. But there's still that part of me that when she says that, I'm like, oh, shit, did I forget something? It always gets me. It it is very good. And well, and also he has that same relief reaction as yeah. we do when they finish their sentence <laughs> like, oh no i'm just stupid okay good, 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 good. <laughs> dex gets out with because he's a serial killer line then meets up with deb and harrison who are waiting in the bullpen and everybody is there and everyone is supportive i really felt that the fbi had a good handle on the situation but we cut to their conversation with la Guerta, yeah where discount matt bomer <laughs> is re- revealing that they have jack shit except for kyle butler Right. And LaGuerta says, well, we had a murder victim by that name a few weeks back. So what's the time frame here? 
Yeah. Because now it's a few weeks back. And the the boys, he was only killed like a day or two before. Right. Rita died. Yeah, it was right there. So I'm just so saying, a few it... weeks. I'm just. Ah, who cares? I care. This is important <laughs> to me. What's the timeline? Just give me the timeline. It's uh, I haven't been this obsessed with the timeline since the Spider-Man debacle. Where they're like, this is the time that we're at. And we're like, that doesn't make sense.H yeah. I don't in, think they're that young in Homecoming. In Homecoming, that's yeah. right. Very so, good. <laughs> I'm just I'm hot off timelines now. Uh, as the FBI agents leave, Angel remembers that for absolutely no reason, he has Maria's mail on his desk. Yeah. Thank what? you. What? Why is it on his desk? Why is it open? It's hard to do a, oops, I looked at your mail storyline if the letter was just magically open already. Yeah. Was it delivered to Maria's home that Angel now lives in? Yeah. Did he pick up all of the mail at work? And again, if he did, why was it open? Like, there's a thousand ways on why, like, they contrived the situation to get them to do it at work. This is a yeah. kitchen argument. <laughs> this is them. Quinn is in his bathroom all the time talking to people. All the time. Okay, give Maria a house that we can film in. That's the only reason that's not there. Yeah. And yeah, just why are we doing this at work? Well, and in the last season, they had LaGuardia's bedroom. Why didn't you yeah. like have that be a bedroom conversation? Just do it there. Just as they're getting ready, yeah. he notices that, that piece of mail. Yeah. It's weird. It really, I, I'm really impressed with everyone in Law & Order. All of the Law & Orders. Yeah. The original batch. SVU, um, all of the ones that exist. I love all the, uh, what's that new Christopher Maloney? I'm going up against the mob. Yeah. I love all the law and orders. I'm real excited for that one. Yeah, okay. yeah. And it really shows you how much they don't bring their shit to work. <laughs> Good Lord, this this precinct is like a high school now. It's ridiculous. I know it. <laughs> well, look, uh, hey, it turns out that while Angel has been spending his whole time busting his nut, yep. Maria has been storing her nut away That's and has right. a nice little nest nut egg. That's that's right. I'm not that's good right. at metaphors. <laughs> but that one was pretty good. That was that was solid. Thank solid you. Solid as a nut. Solid as a nut. <laughs> Later, Dex is picking up a moving van when he sees blood in the back of one of them. Oh my goodness, I love his like his his blood his dexter vision. His dexter vision. His his blood spotting super vision. It's well, so good. It's the same. No, it's the same vision as season one because it's the same theme that would play when he'd see the like <gasps> the the body, the Brian body. Oh yeah, like like the, the harp, harp is all played. And it kind of the the camera gets all woo woo. It's all woo woo. Yeah, and it's just, but it's the same like and he's like oh blood. Oh, he's yeah. like entranced by it. No, I really like it. And it's, it's a little much because he might actually, this is the first time in the show that he might actually might have a problem. Every <laughs> other time he's like, I have this problem or I have this problem. I'm like, no, dude, I feel for you. Like, I get that. And I don't like meeting mother-in-laws and I get it. <laughs> right? Yeah. But this is, he can't even focus after this. He's like a bloodhound, no pun intended, <laughs> who's just like staring at the blood the whole time. I love, you can really see how Dexter... How much he tries in normal conversations because yes. he's not trying with this guy and like the guy's like trying to play with harrison and he's like he doesn't talk and he's like i don't shut up like the guy's trying really hard and he's like ah oh, but did you see there was blood over there like god they're just like oh what's the kid's name i don't know i don't know but what's the deal with that blood spot over there that's really interesting so dex gets the bloody moving van then goes home with harrison to pack and it's interesting Dex is so aroused by the blood, but then goes straight to packing. Like the whole conversation is yeah. like, wow, does anyone else hear that harp? Look <laughs> at that blood. And then he's like just lazily packing knives in a box. And I'm like, well, you wouldn't. Oh my God, he's doing it so poorly too. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll get to that. But it's the fact that he was like obsessed with it and then just like walks inside. It was it's oh, the yeah. same where I have a lot of friends who would like, they would buy a game opening day. Oh, yeah. And then they'd play like five minutes of it. And I'm like, well, why would you get it if you're not going to play it? It's a new game. You got to go for you it. You got to do at least an hour. Right. Well, and all over this episode, Dexter's waiting hours before he does anything. Yeah. In any situation. It feels like 
if you were to look at it honestly, he wouldn't be doing that, but he's being very nice to let certain plot elements happen. Yeah. Before he's like, like, again, he fall. we'll get to it, but he follows Boyd with the barrel oh, and yeah. then leaves and then just comes back later to open it. Like, it, yeah. it was just like a, it, the writing isn't the best, but we're it's, having fun. Yeah, it's all good. We recently moved house. Very recently. Oh, yes, we did. And it's nice to see Dex and I have similar packing techniques. <laughs> yeah, he, he really was just throwing everything in a box. And I'm like, that's what I do. Oh, my God. Yes, that is what you do. We're still getting through the box of just shoved clothes. Yep. It's like, oh, my Not God. Not shoved, just put forcefully. Oh, that's worse. Okay. <laughs> that's so well, worse. speaking of worse, because how could it get worse, right? Dex hears a knock at the front door, and an Easter Island head walks in with some mail, condolences, and a whole lot of advice. Dex is not loving this conversation, but Elliot Forehead tells him all about being a single dad, and he goes a little gloaty, like, exaggerated-wise. Like, he's kind of like, yeah, before kids, I had a pretty killer job. I used to work for the government, and I don't know, I reported directly to the president. It wasn't a big deal. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, I mean, I even, hell, Dex, I even rescued the world a few times. But sometimes I was on the moon when I did it. But, yeah, when you have kids, you gotta, you gotta drop all those things and just be there for them. I mean, man, I was banging, like, 47 women a day, shooting terrorists. But you just got, you gotta give it all up for the kids, man. You gotta give it all up for the kids. And I'm with Dexter. I'm with Dexter. I want to stab this guy. Oh, my God. I know when he drops the knives. Well, yeah, Dexter's silverware box breaks, dropping them everywhere. So Dex goes to pick them up as Elliot Forehead is still rambling. Just, yeah, man, you just got to do it all for the kids, you know. Dex looks at the knife and considers the choice he's making, both with the kids and the murder, and you get it. It's good, right? Yeah. However, there's totally a moment where Dex is contemplating stabbing Elliot Forehead. Yeah. And that's great. Oh, I love it. Even apart from the... God, I want to murder. God, I love my kids. Debate that that actually is. Yeah. There is just that one moment of, I could do it. And I think what backs him off is like, that's too much forehead for one kitchen knife. (laughs) You'll be at it all day. You'll be at it all day. It's too big. So, no, he decided not to do it. Uh, I know. He he killed an Arthur Mitchell, but that is too much forehead. That's, well, no, Arthur's like climbing a mountain. (laughs) This is like an alien statue. It's bizarre and, and, and freakish in some ways, but, you know, alien culture is probably good. They probably worship foreheads. The bigger the forehead, the more wives you get, probably. Oh, God. With the way he's acting, trying to steal Dexter's wife, that would make oh, sense. Oh, there it is. is. Is that why his old job was just like he got all of the wives, all of the wives he wanted? Yeah, when, <laughs> when he landed on this planet, which I guess is this metaphor now. The president, just whatever you want, giant forehead. It's a giant talking forehead. Okay, that's enough. We got to get off of this. Uh, look, Dex goes outside to stare at the blood stain and run his mantra of, I can be a dad. I can be a dad. And then it gets all weird and starts rubbing the blood. And I'm like, all right. Okay, that's enough. Good. He starts rubbing it and making a weird sexy face. Like, and it's just like, I hated it. I hated it. That was uh, John's sexy noise. No, it was no his. one else was supposed to hear. No, I'm. It was impersonating. <laughs> mine is Yahoo. That's mine. Okay, don't don't come at me. These lies. Okay, so later at Deb's not so secret Dexter apartment, we have Aster, Cody, what we have dubbed Polly. Oh and yes, Paula. That's right. Dex and Deb unpacking a whole house into a one bedroom apartment. Cody is marveling at Aunt Deb's beer collection, which really hits me where I live. Oh, me too. Because, yeah, we have a niece who has opened our fridge and has asked some very similar questions. Yeah. But, no, what hit me was that, sure, there's a bunch of bottles in there. There's a lot of beer. Sure. But she does have, like, a Heineken, like, mini keg. Like it's like one of those like barrels. Speaking of barrels, yeah. there's a Heineken barrel, maybe with a little Heineken person in it. But it it's like a pro, like a jug, like a milk jug of Heineken in her fridge as well. That's my girl. And I'm like, that's a lot. That's a bit much. Good lord, Deb. Like I thought, oh, Cody's fun because look how yum. No, wow, that is a lot of beer. No, that's a lot, a lot of beer. 
like the whole fridge door is just full of beer. Yeah. Well, and then and then <laughs> jugs of it too. It's crazy. Yeah. Aster gets mad at Dex because he brought the wrong stuff. Uh, he brought her reject stuff, which I thought was very adorable and very teenage girl. Yes. Don't know what it means, but I'm like, that sounds like something a teenage girl would have. Uh, yes, a teenage girl definitely did. And her name was me. <laughs> Dex puts his foot in his mouth when he tells Aster to relax. No one's going to notice you. Oh, my God. Cody is more optimistic, and he says it's like camping, and he likes it. Oh, he's so fucking cute. It's, oh. So Paul's parents are so ridiculously nice and bubbly and fluffy that I like to think when Paul was just a little kid. Yeah. Like he was a piece of shit. Yeah. Like Scott Smith was to his babysitter. Yeah. Um, it's a lot like in Community, the TV show. Oh, yeah. Uh, when we meet Britta's parents, they are <gasps> perfect and lovely. And Britta's like, no, you're oppressing me. And they're like, no, we're just like happy, good people. Yeah, you know? and she just fucking hates it and rebels against it. I think that's exactly what it was. Because these people, they didn't try to make these people any sort of like Paul. No. They're just the nice, bubbly grandparents. They are incredibly nice. And I don't think they say a whole lot during that's this, why this episode. Th- but this like, is the one line they had. And I'm like, oh, that's nice. Oh, yeah, you exist. You're a person. Yeah. <laughs> Paul, what was so wrong with your parents? They were so super supportive. They never let me go to the circus. <laughs> is that really the only thing that, that turned you to drugs <laughs> good lord beating your wife well, come on man hey i watched the, i i my circus perform no i got i, I nope. <laughs> not gonna do a riff on beating your wife may nice try nice try uh later that night dex says the line that i'll be saying every day once i become a father uh-huh. it doesn't matter how much i love my children I am still a creature of the night. <laughs> that will... I'm going to get that tattooed on my back. Oh my God. <laughs> it's going to be good. Like Ben Affleck's Phoenix tattoo. That'll oh, be, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, we, we all know about the Phoenix tattoo, but yours will just be in big letters. Well, creature of the night. What if, what if we do uh, like, a, like a Aladdin genie lamp? Ooh, there we go. And there's smoke coming out of it. Okay. Like genie style. Yeah. And then it's Dobby from Harry Potter. Oh, there we go. And then he says, it doesn't matter how much I love my children. I am still a creature of the night. <laughs> and it's kind of phoenixy because he's coming out of the lamp and it's, sounds pretty cool. <laughs> like that sounds like a thing that, people, that, that, that like you would think like, yeah, it's like so artistic. <laughs> it's like. It is. It is artistic. Shut up. Why are you making fun of me and my genie Dobby dad advice tattoo? You're awful. Well, look, Harrison starts to fuss. So he and Dex finally go to check on that blood that he hasn't checked on in a thousand years. Yeah, that he's just been daydreaming about and just kind of rubbing sensually every once in a while, but actually checking it. Oh, no, no, no. Like a a 10-year-old boy in a couch. He's just (laughs) being very inappropriate with his blood. Dex doing a mini crime scene in the back of a truck with his baby is kind of fun and it's like it's it's these moments that i'm like I, I, i'm into this this it's is good super fun and we actually get like a, a good dexter bedtime story yeah he starts to tell harrison the tale of shrek yeah. and then focuses yeah. too much on the science element to make it a decent story and kind of fizzles but he tried <laughs> it's his first bedtime story since his wife was murdered <laughs> But, oh, shit, if you're looking for a bedtime story, wake up, because there's a fucking ghost in the car. Oh, shit. What's up? My name is Harry Morgan, and I'm a motherfucking ghost. <laughs> Harry, yeah, Harry's here, because he was like, yeah, I was I was hanging out in the ghost bar. I assume yeah. that's what he's doing when he's not here. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, uh, yeah, Harry comes in to make Dex feel bad, and he says the line, the kids aren't only your responsibility. They're your salvation, which is just uh, the night and day difference from season four. Right, where he's like, just leave them. He's just like, leave them. They're pieces of shit and they're holding your back. <laughs> Dexter, you are a car. And the dark killing is your gas. And your family is the flat tire. And you know, I, I get it. You're, you're terrible metaphors. You old ghost. Just Now you switched. I, I, I'm beginning to think 
Ghost Harry is only there to say the opposite of what Dexter thinks he can achieve. He's, yes. he's just the naysayer of doesn't matter. There's no there's no actual advice. It's oh, yeah. just no matter what Dexter wants, De- uh, Harry's like, well, you got to you got to go the other way. You got you got to do it. Last season, he's like, you got to kill and forget your family. Now he's like, where's your family? Stop killing. Right. Just, Make up your mind, Ghost Harry. Yeah. Also, I really like uh, I, I don't think I noticed this in the last episode. Sure. Well, okay, everything about this episode, it genuinely feels like this is the actual first episode of season five. In a lot of ways, it does. I, I had said that as well. My yeah. issue is is that there is still more wrap-up here than I had expected. And yeah. I think the, the kids are the... They're, they're a lot more... It was a lot more a part of season four wrap-up than I wanted. You have half of the season trying to move on, and then you have the kids there. So it's kind of interesting, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like just... I, I do like that they're taking that time with that transition. Me too. Because you need that after yeah. Rita and all of that. But, um, yeah, just a little filming thing. I like that Ghost Harry doesn't have that haze yeah, anymore. He's, he's just actually there with Dexter. And it's not like <laughs> you, you see Michael C. Hall's head pop up. Yeah, but but and, it's all hazy. So, like, you know, oh, yeah. oh. Here comes a ghost. Here it is. It was like in the first uh, two seasons when you could hear the flashback music coming before it came. Yeah. And you're like, oh, they get excited. Yeah, that's right. Dex normal Googles who last rented the truck and he finds Boyd Fowler. I have never attempted to try to look up who rented a mini va- or a moving van before me. But uh, let's pretend that's as simple as they made it. Yeah. But Boyd Fowler is an animal control guy. And Dex thinks it's boring and settled. He's like, it's probably animals. But then he remembers there were tiny little handprints during his Shrek story. There yeah. were hand, tiny little handprints. Yeah. And he tests the blood, and it's human. Thank God. Could you imagine <laughs> yeah. if it was bovine? Oh, my God. Again? And he's like, oh, I have no one's name to yell. Boyd Fowler! Boyd! It doesn't have the right term, but... There's a moment there, I'm like, I bet that's bovine. <laughs> we haven't tested blood in a while, but last time it was cow. That's right. <laughs> uh, the next day, Dex is waiting for Boyd Fowler near a dead raccoon. And I have a couple things to say about this. Yeah. So Dex feels like he's getting a little bit back into the swing of things. Yeah. He's not doing, it's less character work here, but he does some great probing questions. You know. Yes, it's perfect. I love seeing Dexter out on the field. Then there's Boyd Fowler. Um, it might, okay, so I think it's the combination of his awful little shorts uniform, <laughs> his giant combat boots with no socks, his snivelly little mustache, backwards hat, and Tina Fey glasses, <laughs> that when you put it all together in that pot, it's, it's, it's very weird and very compelling. Like, I get yeah. so much about who this guy is, and like, or who he wants to be, yeah. from this awful combination. Like, but just, good lord, they really just... <laughs> had fun that day. Yes, they did. He is a fully formed character, that one. <laughs> well, then when Dex asks if Boyd is used to being around dead things, Fowler's raspy response of, can't say I ever get used to it. Like, it, <laughs> it remind. I know this is a very specific reference, but it reminded me of when Charlie from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia <gasps> does the Jaws monologue. Yes! And it's just that he's got dark eyes, like a doll's eyes. And I'm like, it, it, it's, yeah. You're, what is that? Are you doing a voice? Are you doing Jaws? <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. It just, it's, it's hard. It's a raccoon. It's a it, raccoon. Yeah. Relax about it. Um, but yeah, anyway, Dex has a great, does great probing questions about moving to which Fowler responds. I lived in the same house for 20 years, which is a really great, it was a good way to get that information. Yeah, right? Very good. Pretty cool. And well, and also Boyd was very willing to give that information to. Yeah. Well, he's a, just a friendly guy. That's just, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Who seems to have a little bit of a brain because then Boyd CSI's Dex's fake raccoon fight. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. And he's like, nope, we moved it. And he Sherlock's it. And he's like, you see this? There's Parmesan on the raccoon. He was, <laughs> he was eating at a spaghetti restaurant. <laughs> and then someone moved him. You can tell because of the... The, the blonde hair that's on his lapel. Oh, there you go. You know? <laughs> but yeah, he's like talking about like defensive wounds on the paws. Well, that, that brings up a really fun hint because 
there might have been a real raccoon fight, given that evidence. Yeah. Of, yeah, the, this raccoon put up a fight. He has defensive wounds. I want to see the deleted scene of Dex trying to catch <laughs> and having trouble catching a raccoon. What are we doing? Why are you rubbing so much blood? Give me more <laughs> raccoon chasing. Oh, I love it. Well, oh my God. Boyd grabs the raccoon and leaves. And we show up at a crime scene where Angel talks to Quinn about the Maria money situation. Quinn misunderstands and tells Angel to keep Maria away from his money. <laughs> of course Quinn would give that advice. Then Quinn brings Angel to a crime scene where they find just ahead. Deb complains to Quinn about her living situation, and Quinn tells her she can stay over, but Deb declines. Then Officer Manzone, who I will from here on out call Officer Rando, <laughs> says the severed heads look to be Santa Muerta, a death cult where the eyes are missing to symbolize this and the tongue is missing to symbolize that. Guess what it could mean? Sorry, I just, it's like when people talk about an EMP in a movie. And they're like, oh. it's an, an electric magnetic pulse. Anyway, we know. We know what it is. We know it's an electric magnetic pulse. Shut right. sh- shut up about it. Shut up, shut up on your face. Okay? <laughs> yeah. Well, when someone's eyes are gouged out and their tongue is ripped out, you don't have to explain what that symbolizes. <laughs> they're like, it symbolizes <laughs> like not talking to the police. N- no shit. No, I get, I get the fucking message. I just, it shows you how like, oh my God, this is so, this is not good. And what's really actually legitimately funny about this scene is that there is a severed fucking head it's a grody fucking scene you've got a joker level like ridiculously gory true detective-esque murder yeah no one gives a shit no No one gives a shit no it's like they're all desensitized after trinity or something we get that it's not even desensitized that's not (laughs) that's not what i'm trying to say it's that they just don't actually give a shit like they are actively against this crime scene Which is another reason why no one gives a shit about this. Because we get there, Quinn says there's just a head. Then they talk about their couple's finances instead of the severed head. Then we get to the scene. Deb instead complains about her current living arrangement. Then you have Officer Rando barge in to just explain the whole case. And Deb doesn't give a fuck the whole time. Yeah. Imagine seeing this in season one. This would have been a completely different show. I remember when it was yearbook editors being stabbed, not a beheaded woman with a Joker face. (laughs) Miami Metro were legitimately more horrified at the little Chino deaths. And that was just with a slicey machete, not a decapitation machete like this one. Yeah, like this is gross and disgusting. You're right. Like, what the fuck, guys? And the point is, no one in Miami Metro is horrified or even cares. So we don't care. Yeah. Yeah, we don't care because they don't care. That could have been a really good Batista storyline. Maybe he could have grown up in this neighborhood. And like Masuka, Quinn, and Angel have nothing to do. They've done nothing yet. But you're introducing Officer Rando and allowing her to take the lead. Why not give it to Batista? Why not say, oh, my God, this is Santa Muerta. I knew this from when I was a kid. Like, and and it could have caused the problem. Maybe that's why he was drinking so much at the bar. And... You know what yeah. I mean? Like, you could have added some real weight here in a way that is a, would be a nice reprieve from the whole Rita situation. Yeah. But every time you get to a situation here, everyone's just complaining about it. Like, for instance, yeah. I wrote that whole um, uh, rant down because yeah. I was mad, right? Uh-huh. So I wrote the whole rant down to get it out of my system. I go to press play, and the immediate next thing that happens yeah. is Quinn showing up fucking bored as hell saying hey uh we found the body under some bushes no id i guess we'll start canvassing so and he like walks away because none of them care like none of them actually care every time they get to it it's not like wow or oh my god or who what sick fuck would do this it's just yeah here we go fabulously put i am i'm really really in intrigued by your idea of having this be really tied to Batista and that's how you can give him some extra growth mm-hmm. this season. Yeah. Instead of giving him marital problems after he's been married for three days, yeah. maybe we can give him something a little deeper, something a little more Dexter worthy. Like this is We've been talking about the Laguerta Batista relationship for like two years and it's been like four days. <laughs> Like, I feel like we're in Inception. 
and we're old now. And I'm like, oh, what happened? I want to lay down on a train. Whatever that, whatever that was. Well, meanwhile, meanwhile, Dex is normal Googling how to help kids cope with grief. But then he immediately gets distracted by police Googling Boyd Fowler. He finds Boyd's prison and housing records uh, when Deb comes home from work. Turns out La Guerta gave them a very sexy Cuban casserole. Yes, of course. And the Morgans finally got to try Masuka's chocolate lava cakes. Yay! I loved that little mention. Well, yeah. So that's interesting because that went from being a really cool, confident brag at Thanksgiving. Yeah. He's like, you got to try my chocolate lava cakes. And you're like, oh my God, that sounds great. But if you're offering that to a family when their mom died... Yeah. Like, it's clear that that's the only thing he can make. Exactly. And that makes it weird. Is that all he's eating? Like, is his fridge just stocked full of it? Oh it's God. all melty and gooey. I mean, no, it's delicious, but... but come on, Masuka, learn how to make something else. Make a casserole or something. <laughs> Deb reassures Dex, saying that she will be there for him always, and although it'll be crazy, Dex will raise three kids and it will be joyous. Deb was complaining earlier about sleeping in the same bed as Aster. Yeah. She got kicked a lot. And, but to her credit, Dex offers her the couch and she says no. But it's not to be selfless and sleep next to the karate kid, who <laughs> is the Hillary Swank version. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But <clears throat> at that very moment, Deb decided to leave. Where she is going, you'll have to see to believe. Do, 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 do. Where are you, Christmas? Why have I found you? Why have you gone away? Way over in Florida, nearby Cancun's, lay the sixth town of Miami, the home of the Who's. Ask any Who, and they'll say this just in. There is no house in Whoville like Joey Quinn's. He's got bomb bizzlers and fizzlers, twiggies and touts. But when he leans in for that kiss, Deb expresses her doubts. So, yeah, Deb goes to Quinn's weird Whovian house. Whovillian house. That is a little applause for you. That was beautiful. It's better than a lot of applause, so thank you. (laughs) You get me. Also, not to uh, beat a Whovian horse to death, but Quinn does have Whovian features now that I'm looking at him. Well, he's so skinny this season. If you spiked his hair and gave him a who knows, I think you'd... I think you'd have it. <laughs> Just give him a little rosy cheeks. Yeah. And we would all want to see that. Like, we all know that he, he was in Dark Knight Rises as a cop, but that's not fun. Put him in Whoville. Yes, please. Make him a merman in Aquaman. Just <laughs> hey, do something. So, oh, my God. That makes me so happy. Yes. Deb gave up a Dex couch for a Quinn couch, and Quinn promises to keep his little sausage fingers off Deb and she can stay for as long as she'd like. Uh, Quinn almost slips up that he thinks Dexter was involved with, with Rita's murder. Then Deb tells him about the FBI search for Kyle Butler. Oh, boy. And uh, you have to know that Deb putting her mouth guard in totally <laughs> did it for Quinn. Because as soon as she does that, he's like, yes, ma'am. Like, oh, yeah. He's totally like, oh, shit, yeah. Like, <laughs> the mouth guard. Oh, my God. He's in <laughs> The next morning, Dex is making triangle pancakes, and Aster is in a relatively good mood until she accidentally sets a place for Rita. Ugh. Aster shouts at Dex, and it's like, what, it's my fault you can't count? Like, next time, <laughs> get the right amount of plates, you fucking idiot. <laughs> I'm like four times your age, or however math works. <laughs> No, he does not shout at Aster. That would be bad. That's what, what, that's what we would call a Paul move. That's right. Yeah. That's right. No, Aster, sh- uh, Aster shouts at Dex. Then Cody shouts. And I love that Aster assumed Cody was on her side. Yeah, right? was like, yeah, Cody, let's get him. And Cody's like, no, all of you stop. Like, this is the worst. Right? He is the happiest child who has had the saddest life. And all he wants is for someone else to be happy with him. Dex takes solace while the kids get their grief counseling, and he's going to go get his own grief counseling, if you know what I mean. Uh-huh. Going to go rub that blood spot. Well, before... <laughs> 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 back at Quinn's, he tries to talk about how he and Deb had sex. Yeah. 
and Deb adorably denies it. Oh my goodness, she just runs right out the door. It's so it's so good. Masuka is in Dex's angry place and is not happy. <laughs> He's having trouble uh, finding the murder weapon. And I love when people say, like, I can't find it. I've tried this one twice. But you have it. It was yeah. in there. It's not like uh, this isn't the same as the hammer last season where right. Dexter kept trying and it wasn't the right thing. It wasn't the right hammer. Yeah. He has the machete in there and he's complaining because he hasn't tried. Stop trying things twice, Masuka. Go through the list, then double back. Right. You circle back after that, you Masuka. Oh my God, but he is just so out of his element. <laughs> Angel tries to talk to Deb about the Maria money situation and then Deb tells Angel to back off of her money. So, it, it, you know, very extreme situations on both sides. Yes. It's fun that they're getting flirtate. The Quinn and Deb, who have such different views on money. Yeah. Or maybe, maybe technically the same view, actually. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Well, so that's nice. Like, we, 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 give, we, we love the angel money problem, right? Oh, I'm kidding. Uh. Uh, speaking of not caring, <laughs> uh, we're back at a crime scene that no one seems to care about. Like you had alluded to earlier, yeah. this is like this Scrubs equivalent of when JD's brother visits him and he's shocked to find how dour, negative, and disillusioned uh, JD is with being a doctor. Oh, yeah. It's just that, again, because like Masuka gets there and he's like, you guys are so selfish. Kill yourself nicer. Yeah. You know? And I get that, but like everybody, and I, I kind of want to give a shit. Like even uh, Dokes gave a fuck about Guerrero. Yes! Like, I didn't really give a shit, but Dex, Dokes is like, I, I, I care about this because I, I, I was in love with that lady, and then he got shot her, or he shot her, and I care. And I'm like, I'll, I'll care. I don't know yeah. who you are, but I'll care. Yeah, it's like you're, you've got the passion, and I'm feeling it. Nobody cares. It feels like this would work if it was from Officer Rando's perspective, but yes. she's getting such little screen time, and it's, she's not new Deb, that she is just there. Anyway, we'll get to it. Yes. I don't like it. Uh, Quinn <laughs> gives a wrong run-of-the-mill theory, which you're never going to guess what it was. I bet the fucking husband did it, uh, which is like, because <laughs> of course he, of course he thinks that. Yes, At this point, course. we should celebrate he didn't try to peg Dexter for this one, because <laughs> that's the only trick he has right now. Is, is, it was the husband, that husband. No, 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 no. Stop pointing at Dexter. <laughs> Quinn, Quinn, stop pointing at Dexter. But he did it. He fucking did it. Quinn. That's my fucking brother. I won't point anymore. <laughs> Once Quinn gives his stellar, very different take on this situation, yeah. Deb gives Officer Rando a chance because she, you know, invited her over for a reason. And she's like, so tell me about all the stuff because you were right about the machete. So it's good that, that yeah, she's getting the chance. Yeah. And it's nice to see a current Deb give a new Deb a chance. She hasn't forgotten where she's come from. And I like this Deb a lot. Oh, I like it too. Well, and... Deb being a mentor is the perfect trajectory for Deb. Yeah, is for that sure. Like she's, she's built herself up so much over the last four seasons that like this is the perfect move for her. I just wish it was about a crime scene we cared about a little more. Dex pulls up to Boyd Fowler's with Ghost Harry, and he says the line, the better killer I am, the better father I am, which is just... <laughs> uh, you're not even trying at this point anymore, Dex. You're just you're doing the whole thing again. But Dex sneaks around Boyd Fowler's house, and Dex wandering around in leather gloves without his kill shirt. Didn't like for it. I, I didn't like, I didn't care for it. what yes. I was trying to say. Boyd's pantry of chicken soup and tuna is awful. Ugh. Just awful. God. Uh, Boyd comes home for lunch and Dex can't sneak out due to some heavy duty locks on both the back door and the attic. Oh boy. As Boyd puts on a self-help tape, Dex finds a lock of lady hair with a number eight on it and then bails. My, my point is, before we get too weirded out by the lock of lady hair with the number on it, uh-huh. I like to think that maybe Boyd, at this point before I, I found out about the barrels, I like to think that maybe Boyd was really into wigs, and these were just samples. There you go. And the thing that he's taking is he's taking his own identity yeah, into he his wants own hands. To, it doesn't matter what he's doing it for. He wants to wear a wig, and it makes him feel beautiful. Let him do it. Good. Do it, you chicken noodle soup and tuna man. Meanwhile, Quinn is defending his terrible, it was the husband theory by saying, if a woman pissed me off enough, I could cut off her head, oh which we, I mean, he lost Christine two, maybe three weeks ago. He's 100% nonchalantly talking about that. <laughs> oh my God. 
It's just at the beginning of seasons like this, sometimes they reset so much that they don't talk about what happened more than two weeks ago. Right. You know, but it's Christine. He's talking about cutting Christine's He's head. He's talking about Christine. <laughs> oh she, she deserved it for killing that, that, that for killing old, that old man. Yeah, that old, old lost man. <laughs> old man that we love. Deb brings Quinn to see an open house for Dex and they pretend to be a couple. This real estate lady is good, but hot damn. I missed that season four lady. I was thinking the same thing. I was just like, this couple has a question on the hot tub. Like, oh, she was so good. And like, this this lady does a good job. Nothing against her. But it's like comparing Cody's. If you put more than one Cody on the fridge, I'm yeah. going to point to the one I like. <laughs> Quinn goes to lay on the bed and is a little adorable. Oh, my God. He is so cute. <laughs> But Deb is not here for it. Back with Dex, he's tailing Boyd to a remote location, and he drops a barrel off and then leaves. When Dex gets a call from Deb saying that the kids are missing. (gasps) But where did they go? Well, I love that the kids don't go to school, and the school doesn't call anyone. Like, these kids' mom was just murdered. And the school's like, oh, who? Yeah, they never showed up. Next! (gasps) Yeah, right? What the? Whoa. Well, and they went to the counselor at the school, too. Yeah. The, like, <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah. What are you talking about? So Dex heads off to the murder house. And a house, which when we get inside, is not even remotely packed, by the way. No! Did Dexter, everything's up. Did Dexter really put that one box in to the bloody moving van? <laughs> I thought that was like to symbolize the beginning of the montage we didn't see. Yeah, right. He put one box in there, and he's like, now we're done. Just one uh, box of knives and the box of the Astros reject clothes. Dex finds the kids staring at the bathtub. And you got to feel real bad for Cody because you know this was all Aster. Cody didn't want to come. And Aster's like, no, come on. And Cody's like, fine, I'll, I'll come. But oh. like, you know, he didn't. He doesn't want to be here. He wants to be watching Looney Tunes or Yo Gabba Gabba or whatever. It is. <laughs> whatever decade we're in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Peppa Pig. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Dex apologizes, but Aster won't hear it. And wants to move in with her Paul parents. She's like, I don't want to be with you anymore. Uh, Aster has a discussion with Dexter that is very reminiscent of season two. Yeah. When Dex cheats on Rita, Rita says to Dex that he's worse than Paul because she trusted him. We knew Paul was a bad guy, but I trusted you and that makes you worse. And Aster says basically the same thing, but the teenage version of it. Yeah. Thing that like Paul sucked and we were fine with that. We knew Paul sucked. Then you came along and you made us believe again. So go fuck yourself. And I kind of like that parallel. Oh, I love it. And yeah, everyone's delivery here. It's top notch. Cody is just crying the whole time. It's really good. And I actually disagree with you. I think this is the first time Cody's acting has not been top notch. I think he's, he's crying and he's, he's trying his little hardest. And it's not bad acting. It's just not good. He's, he's used to be, they hired him to be a happy little boy. And he was, mm-hmm. and I don't think that he is in a lot of, like, your mom just died commercials. <laughs> Whatever Geico commercial that is. That I think this is the first time it's not that great. But let's be honest. When Aster was like, I'm leaving, and I'm taking Cody too, the audience let out a, a collective sigh of relief. Like, I really love these kids, but, like, it's for the best. You know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think it's just, it's a very different show. It turns in, you go from, like, Dexter, season one, serial killer, to, like, Full House. Yeah, right. And you're like, it's just a different show. You guys have to leave. But I will say that the music during this scene and then their goodbye scene later is very good. They don't often add too many new themes, but yeah. when they do, it's really good. Oh, it was beautiful. Quinn runs into LaGuerta, who gives him her Kyle Butler sketches. Now, to be clear, it's not Maria's personal Kyle Butler sketches that she drew herself, but the <laughs> FBI drawings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that the Mitchells all gave very different sketches, yes, which makes did. me think that they were trying to thank Kyle for what protection he did give them, right? Absolutely. But there is one of them that looks a lot like Dexter, yeah. and it makes me wonder if one of the Mitchells didn't get the memo. <laughs> so you have Rebecca and Jonah giving fake Kyle Butlers. Like, close enough, but... Still different, right? Yeah, yeah. And then you have Sally in the other room who's like, no, he looked just like that guy from Six Feet Under. He was like this, but tan. No, that guy was over here. Yeah, he looks exact. No, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you ever see Hedwig and the Angry Inch? He looks like the guy from that. There you go. Woo, very nice. But uh, yeah, I love that idea because like one of them does look like it. But I was kind of disappointed with the scene. Yeah? If I'm honest with you, I was really disappointed 
one of the sketches wasn't Jesus. Oh my God! Yes. Like in season one, when that boy saw Dexter and saw Jesus, I was hoping that one of them would have either be Jesus or one of them have really intense eyes. Yes. And then it's just the shitty Kyle Butler around it. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, Angel confronts Maria about her secret money stash. I love Angel sitting in the dark, all dramatic. Oh but, my God. Yeah, Angel's line of, I always imagined us at 80 years old, walking down the beach, hand in hand. Bitch, please. You've been married for three days. Right? And she's been your boss for like five years yeah, before have, that. You haven't been dreaming about beach walks with old people, you dumbass. Shut up. But, okay, <laughs> much like I may have just done, uh, LaGuerta hurts Angel's feelings when no. she correctly identifies that one of her strengths is one of his weaknesses. Yes. And that she saves money and he doesn't. So Angel gets butt hurt, goes out, and offers to pay for everyone's drinks that night. Oh, my goodness. Well, and he storms out of the office and she doesn't do anything about no, it. I think she did the right move. The, honestly, one of my notes originally before I got distracted by his petty behavior was yeah. how good Maria was doing. It's like she actually grew the last like three and a half, like four years. <laughs> And she's like, no, everything's fine. I just save money and you don't. Like, Right. So you're just taking this the wrong way. Oh, my goodness. Dex and Deb have night beers, and he tells mm-hmm. her about Cody and Aster moving with their Paul parents. Yeah. Uh, Cody wants to stay, but Dex convinces him to stick with Aster. Oh, now, such sweet advice. Yeah. So Dex does mention that the, now bear with me here, Grand Paul Rents uh, live in Orlando. Which, you know, they only live in Orlando because they came into the picture last season being like, oh, we want to take the kids to Disney World. And now that things are kind of getting serious. Yeah. They're like, uh, maybe they just live there. Yeah, right. And you're like, okay. <laughs> okay. It's like you were gone still... for three years. Yeah, yeah. Like two hours away, living <laughs> next to Disneyland, and you like never, and you're like nice, happy, jovial people, and you just like never called. <laughs> Like, I understand. Gail wasn't at the funeral. I get that. No one was surprised. We didn't even talk about it. Nope, we didn't. But, like, Paul's parents being, like, actually nice people. Anyway, it's just kind of funny. (laughs) I also really like the idea, thinking, getting really into the psyche of Paul's parents. Yeah. I love the idea that, so we have Paulie and Pauline. Or or Paula. 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 Paulie and Paula. Yes. Okay. And I love that it was Polly this whole time yeah. that like would like refused to reconnect because of how dramatic Paul was. And then yeah. after years of trying to convince her husband, Paula finally convinces Polly to see the kids. And you can just see the drive back home to Orlando yeah. where Paul is Polly's driving and he's like, Miami isn't too far, you said. <laughs> Paul is gone and so is the drama, you said. It's only, it'll only be for a weekend, you said. We've been there for three weeks. Now Rita is dead and we have two kids. One of which seems to have a Paul-sized rebellious streak up a sleeve. So yeah, this is just great Pauline. We need to go on more vacations. Just driving back in a surly mood. This is why we never called. Now we have kids. Even in hell, Paul is making my life at worst. Oh my god. Dex talks about how he really was trying to make things work with the kids. We all know why the kids are being written out of the show. We know that, right? But it's hard for this show to preach sibling unity. Yeah. With having Cody stay with Aster, but then they both abandon Harrison. Like, you can tell me Cody chose Aster to keep the family together, but Dex really just made Cody choose between Aster and Harrison. Oh, you're right. Like, yeah, it, it, it doesn't work. Like again, it's where the writing is kind of sloppy because Dexter's like, "No, you have a better reason. She's your real family." And I'm like, "No, no, 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 no. Back it up. Back it up." Deb Poor calls Harrison. Deb calls Quinn and admits they did indeed have sex. And while in the, while talking about it, Joey is putting the Kyle Butler. Uh, sketches together <gasps> like some sort of picasso style character creator yes this is what we've always wanted this is what we've been talking about this is my favorite well this is the scene that works perfectly in the trailer but in reality is a little silly yeah. like jonah really described his eyes really well yeah. but then rebecca got his nose and <laughs> sally she only got the hairline 
Yeah. But she yeah. got the hairline and she got the jaw. So yeah, if he has all the pieces. But it's like, why would they be? Why would they be different pieces? <laughs> right. Someone read the Dark Defender comic and you know that guy's jawline and like, Jesus's eyes. Just wait a second. <laughs> I think that vigilante has Jesus's eyes. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, Angel is drunk and venting to Masuka about Maria when Sergeant Butthole shows up and says some shit about her, and Angel beats the shit out of him. Dex is seeing the kids off. Cody and Dex have a great little heart-to-heart. Dex gets the closest thing to saying, and I love you, to Aster, and Aster gives him the closest thing to a hug, and then they leave. Oh, my and God. And <laughs> honestly, complaints aside, I feel really sad. Like, whatever the kids were, whatever their role was, whether it was camouflage or fun distraction every few scenes, like yeah. once of an episode, whatever it was, I'm going to miss them. And not just her, not just them, but I'm going to miss... We're, we're never going to get Rita yelling at Cody for playing wiffle ball in the house. Yeah. One of Cody's, I'm thankful for Dexter. You know what? Now that I'm thinking about all of these examples, I might just be missing Cody. Yeah. Right. But no, my point is, is that I'm, I'm filmed with Dexter. Is like, well, what yeah. is the show now? Like, what is the show without them? Even if it's a small part. Yeah. What was, what was it? I'm, I'm totally with you. Well, and especially, yeah, Dexter even says it in that scene that, like, he has this close connection with kids for a reason. And, yeah, like, now that two of the most influential kids in his life are gone, it's it's really sad. Yes, I remember when the two most influential kids in my life left. Oh, oh yeah? I was also 48 or 38 or however old he is. <laughs> 38? I went way too far the other way. Uh, well, Dex is musing over this episode's main themes and events Ooh. when he's talking about childhood innocence and how things don't always remain happy or good. We see Boyd scrapbooking more lady hair with numbers on them Ooh. as Dex opens up Boyd's barrels to find a pruny dead lady. It's oh. my bay. Oh, my God. It was your bay. They put my barrel in a bay. No, my bay in a barrel. Yeah. And then threw it in a bay. <laughs> Oh, my God. And then Dexter sees a bunch of barrels. So it's not just my bay. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Everyone's bay is in a barrel in the bay. There's so many barrels of bays in this bay. (laughs) Most interestingly, though, Dex doesn't really give a shit. Like, he kind of sees it, and he's like, oh, another serial killer. And he's like, I'd normally get excited by this, by, like, a new kill, but, meh, I miss my Cody. Yeah, like he, everything in his life right now is just pulling him in his focus in all these different directions. And it, I really like seeing Dexter with this amount of conflict, you know? So that about wraps me up. Oh, perfect. But I do have one spoiler thing to say. However, I don't think it's that bad, and I want to say it here. <gasps> Ooh, okay. okay. So here's well, the thing. There, disclaimer, there we go, that's it. I don't think, I don't think it's a real spoiler. Okay. I thought the show had a crazy ending in that we all know what the show is from yes. seasons five through eight. You can They change showrunners, and that's a big reason for it. Yeah. But this is a very different show from here on out. And it's very interesting to me that in this episode, in the real first episode of season five, yeah. Dexter says the line, because just like Aster, I was foolish enough to think that things would always be good, but they're not. And I'm like, that is a bold line and kind of sums up the rest of the season or the rest of the show. Uh, a lot of people don't like the rest of the show uh, for a variety of reasons. Mm-hmm. If you haven't watched it at this point, make up your own mind. Yeah. That's, that's fine. But it's just a really interesting line to put at the beginning of the end to be like, this is the end and it might not, it's not going to be as good. And you're like, oh, <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, I mean, they're not wrong. Yeah, that, that's a really interesting observation. I don't think I connected the dots like that before. Yeah, and I think that I think that just because it's not as good as some of the previous seasons doesn't mean there's not still enough good in here to warrant a show. Obviously, we're doing a podcast on it. But yeah. Yeah, it was just a really weird, like, it's not good anymore. And I'm like, don't shout about don't it. Don't say that. We can hear cameras on, Michael. <laughs> Michael? Michael? <laughs> Michael. Michael, what are you even saying right now? The camera is on. <laughs> we, can, we can hear you. What about the people at Showtime? I know. 
<laughs> so yeah, I think that'll wrap us up. I, perfect. What a perfect ending to this episode. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for listening and supporting us. We really appreciate it. If you would like to contact us, our email address is tilldeathdoeswatch at gmail.com. And you can also find us on the socials. Go ahead and uh, reach out. That'd be super cool. And then until next time, we'll see you guys tomorrow with episode three of season five. So we'll see you guys then. Have a knife day. Look over there. Dexter has a knife. Did he kill her? His dead bloody wife? Nope. She lived in a bathtub as full as can be uh, until she died covered in blood. I was going to go pee. I don't know. Let me try another one. (laughs) 